When you need to refuel between meetings or running errands, or you just want a healthy snack that squashes your hunger, wonderful pistachios, which come in a variety of flavors and sizes, by the way, are the perfect choice to fill you up and keep you going throughout the day. Wonderful Pistachios is also a good source of protein and a zero-guilt snack. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, guys, which gives you over 10% of your daily value. And with flavors like salt and pepper, sweet chili, and seasoned salt in the shelled variety, options like chili roasted, sea salt, and vinegar or jalapeno lime in the no-shell variety, you're sure to please your taste buds while snacking healthy. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 25% off Alliant Naturals site-wide any supplement you can think of just for the keeping it real listeners all you have to do is go to aliannaturals.com pick out anything anything you want from multi-collagen peptides to organic grain superfood powders pre and probiotics krill oil you name it we got you covered or they got you covered you just enter the code Jill, J-I-L-L, 25, Jill, 25 at checkout, and you will get 25% off your entire order of anything in the store site wide. So check it out. All right, my beautiful babies. The fitness app has a free trial. I want you to check it out. If you've got the meal tracker app, the food planning app, the running app, the yoga app, the meditation app, the breathwork app, stop. Right now, stop the insanity because the fitness app is a one-stop shop. It's got it all, guys. It customizes your meal plans based on your food preferences and your personal health goals. It customizes your workouts based on where you want to train, your fitness level, your fitness goals, whether you're in the gym, at home, outside. You have a baby coming in its prenatal fitness. You want to get crazy with Ryan Clarenbach and do his beast mode program from yoga to kickboxing. We have you covered. There are meditations in the app. There's sleep support with Jim Donovan, self-care with Jamie McFadden, free trial. Just go to the app store, whether you're on Android, Google Play, the Apple iTunes store. It's there for you. Download it. Give it a try. I think you're going to love it. Welcome to Keeping It Real Conversations with Jillian Michaels. All right, team. Today's conversation is with a forward thinker. Um, I actually mean that. He is one of the great thinkers of our time. Um, He's a journalist. He's an author. He has a book coming out tomorrow. His name is Tim Urban. The book is called What's Our Problem? But I fell in love with this guy off of a TED talk that he did about procrastination. And I'm not, I'm going to admit, I am not a procrastinator. That is not my problem, but it's my brother's problem. My wife's problem, my daughter's problem. (laughs) And so I love TED talks, right? I, I'm like the, you know, I subscribe and I get the little emails like suggested for you. So I got this a while back, right? Suggested for you. And it was a TED talk on procrastination. And I was super pissed. Because I'm like, I don't procrastinate. <laughs> and uh, my wife was like, what's that? And I saw that it had, he has 60, over 65 million views on this TED Talk, right? So I'm like, oh, wait a second. It's like one of the top TED Talks of all time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, all right, you know, there's something to this. So I watched the TED Talk and I'm laughing out loud because the guy is hilarious. But he, he is addressing the problem of procrastination and how to overcome it in the TED Talk, right? And Deshanna is just enraptured. She identifies with this guy like wholeheartedly, a hundred percent. The bitch is all in. And I was like, all right, this is, I mean, 
for 65 million views and to capture her attention like that and hold it, right? To have her be interested in what you're saying because there's so much that vies for our attention all the time. I was like, this guy's an impressive guy. And he communicates his message, not just intelligently, but in a way that's engaging and funny. He's very funny, very relatable. And he doesn't speak above your head because a lot of the thinkers that I enjoy listening to, whether I agree with them or not, sometimes speak over my head or so intelligently that I can't even, you know, like, I'm like, what the hell did he just say? There are guys like, again, whether you agree with them or not, I'll listen to individuals across the spectrum, whether it's Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro or Bill Maher or, you know, across the gamut, right? Liberal, conservative. I want to hear all the different points of view. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, they can make you feel a little dumb. <laughs> and even the science, right? I'll listen to like Lex Fridman, Andrew Huberman, all these different doctors. And you'll notice a lot of the doctors we have on the show don't make you feel dumb. You know, whether it's Dr. Chudkan, Dr. Lee, Dr. Naidu, you know, Dr. Hazan, like they, they know how to put things into layman's terms. So we can all manage the takeaway, even though we don't know how they arrived at that conclusion. We can't break down the science. (laughs) Right. So that's that's what I think of Tim Urban. Um, And he's just a very successful guy who is a self-proclaimed procrastinator who supposedly runs late as well. And I have the hardest time believing it because he's been so successful. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm going to I got to get this guy on the show and call him out because I just I can't. (laughs) (laughs) So in reaching in reaching out to him, we also found out that he has this book coming out tomorrow called What's Our Problem? And we're going to be talking about it. I I didn't get an advanced copy of the book because it wasn't what I reached out for. So um, based on you know what I read about the book online, it's really all about tribalism and why we are at war with each other constantly and how come it's so difficult for us to open our mind to different points of view or difficult to express ourselves or feel comfortable with our opinions when we have them and have the gumption to stand behind them because you know, we're so afraid we're going to get canceled. So all of the above, I'm pretty excited to talk about. And I will say this, I notice for myself, there are times I have a point of view. If it doesn't go with the narrative, you do wonder like, am I a bad person? Am I getting, am I getting older? Am I not as open-minded? Cause you know, you hear about how generations like the younger generation is always pushing for change. And then the older generation is always pushing to like for the status quo and as I've gotten older, I, I'm not saying I'm pushing for the status quo. I, I'm all about evolving as a culture, right? I want to see evolution in tech that makes the world better. I want to see evolution in, in energy that, that solves the climate crisis problem. I want to see evolution in our gun laws. There's all kinds of stuff I want to see evolve. A greater understanding of one another, a greater tolerance of one another, But that also does mean, as we've talked about on the show, a greater tolerance, not just of people's color or who they pray to or who they have sex with, but also who they vote for, whether you agree with it or not, and their political opinions, whether you agree with it or not, there's got to be some tolerance for it and arguably the ability to listen. Um, So that's what this book is about, and I'm excited to dig into both. And I'm just going to throw this out there and I haven't finished the movie yet. Um, So I can't fully say where it's going. And I promise you're like, that was a bizarre, like non sequitur, but it's not. Hold on now. Have you watched um, these people yet, Cindy, on Netflix? Um, I don't. You're drawing a blank. Actually, my bad. It's called you people, not these people. That's probably why why you didn't know about it, my little pop culture queen. Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now, now it's about a Jewish guy who starts dating a black girl and he asks her to marry him and chaos kind of ensues, right? Between the two families. 
So Jonah Hill plays the the Jewish guy. Um, and I hate to say this, I don't know the name of the actress. I, I, I haven't seen her before. So, so we've got Jonah Hill's parents there. So there's like David Duchovny, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Eddie Murphy plays um, his fiance's dad. And there's a scene where Eddie Murphy brings up Farrakhan and how much he loves Farrakhan. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus and David Duchovny start to unravel. And they start talking about the Jews being the original slaves. And it's just a disaster. Like, it's a disaster. Huh. And I I was, I hate to tell you, I was dying laughing, which you're kind of supposed to be dying laughing because yeah. nobody in it is ill-intentioned. But it's like all these conversations that you're no longer allowed to have. But because they're actors and it's a movie, you know, they're allowed to have it. Now, I hate to tell you, I, Deshanna was like, babe, it's midnight. You need to go to bed. So I didn't, I haven't, I'm actually right after this horrendous dinner. So I, I hope they get married. I don't know how it's going to play out. But oh my God, Cindy, it's, it's funny in that it's like, it's so uncomfortable because the world has become so uncomfortable nowadays. And anyway, the point of me bringing this up is that Tim's book, What's Our Problem, talks about how we're not even comfortable to have these conversations or feel the way we feel, or let alone have our mind changed when we're in these conversations, which I think is so critical in us being to move forward uh, as a culture and for personal growth. So we got a lot to talk about with this guy and he's just awesome. We're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back with Tim Urban. Your business was going great, but now your team is buried in manual work. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,025, one. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Jillian. That's netsuite.com slash Jillian to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash Jillian. All right, team. You know, I love Skims underwear because I've mentioned them and have been wearing them for, gosh, a little over a year now. So I finally had to try their bras and Skims has delivered yet again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. Even the underwire bras I wear all day are so comfortable, I barely even notice I'm wearing them. Whether it's the weightless scoop bra, the fits everybody bra, the plunge bra, uh, the fits everybody t-shirt bra. I always get them in sand, so you never notice them. Super comfortable. Love them. Wear them nonstop all the time. Shop Skims bras at skims.com now. Available in 62 sizes, 38 to 46 H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows. Okay, we are back with Tim Urban. Tim, welcome to the show. How the hell are you, man? I'm pretty good. I'm, uh, you know, I'm uh, trying You're busy. to- uh, Stay productive and and yeah, working on it, guys. So I'm I'm sandbagging Tim right now. I am a massive fan because I am a subscriber to the blog. Wait, but why the TED Talk? As I mentioned, over sixty five million views, and I think procrastination is such a problem for so many. But then when I went to book you, I found out you have a book coming out tomorrow called "What's Our Problem," which resonated with me just as much as the procrastination issue. So I didn't allow you to continue telling me about it because I want you to tell us all about it. Yeah, well, um, it, it's actually, these are these two issues are very much tied together, the book and procrastination because, um, so the book is called What's Our Problem? And it's me looking out at my society, starting in 2016 is when I actually started this. 
and being like, what is the deal here? Like every, you know, so many on metrics, so many metrics of prosperity, things are going up, you know, the world's amazing in so many ways. Um, and we're like descending into like a childish craze of tribalism and just, just ridiculousness. And so what, what's the deal? Like, it's not that everyone is bad or that people are, you know, inherently worse than they used to be or anything. It's like just something's, something's up. So the book's called what's our problem. And it's me trying to answer that. Meanwhile, I spent six years on this book and probably could have done it in, it took a, I mean, it was, it's a beast, but it, I definitely <laughs> did not need, it did not need to take six years. And that's because of the other issue that you were going to talk to me about procrastination, which is kind of the, what's, what's my problem issue. So I was right. it's simul, every day sim, simultaneously trying to answer the question, what's our problem about society while also being like, what the hell is my problem? And why is it so hard to just do the, you know, live the, wake up and live the day that I, right. when I wake up, I have in mind, you know? So, so to me, to me, it's a, these have been kind of the two topics that, that have been on my mind for six years straight. Well, I want to talk about both of them, but since we're on the book, I want to start with yeah. that. You say that yeah. you noticed this trend beginning in 2016, and I really have to give it to you because I, I must've been oblivious or guilty of not being the centrist that I am today. So maybe I, I didn't notice it because I was partaking in it. But I think the fact that it did take you six years it makes it more relevant than ever. So I, I want to address right off the bat, what are the dangers of this type of tribalism, in your opinion, that prompted you to really grab the bull by the horns here? When I look at the big forces out in society, um, I, I first just boil it down to individual thinking. So what's going on in an individual's mind is what the first question I ask. And one thing I do in this book uh, that I've just also done in my thinking, I think is useful is, um, so we have in politics, this horizontal axis, left, right, center, you know, far right, right, <laughs> moderate, right, center, moderate, left, <laughs> yes! left far left, right? It's oh horizontal. <laughs> yes, 100%. And that's fine. And, and I do think that's valid. That's a real axis. Uh, it, it ranges from, you know, once the, on the radical left, you know, you're questioning everything, right? As, you know, nothing about your the status quo is above criticism. Um, as you move closer to the middle, um, you start to have people that want to preserve the basic ideals of the country and they like the basic structure of the country, but they, they want to fix a bunch of stuff in it. And then as you move to the right, you have people that want to preserve more. You want to preserve the status quo. Maybe even on the far right, they want to go back to the way things were perhaps, right? So this is a totally valid axis. We need this, but we totally need another axis. We need to make it a square, not a line. And so we need a vertical dimension. And, and um, if you only have a line, then you start applying all these other things to it. You start saying, oh, we need to be more centrist. And what you really mean is we need to be more, you know, nuanced and moderate and open to disagreement. But that's centrist is a policy position, right? So what I basically did is I, I just made it a square and I, and I, and I have a, um, the upper right and the upper left and the lower right and the lower left, you know, that you have these quadrants now. And, um, and um, when I think about individual thinking, if you're high up on this vertical axis, that's when you're being the best kind of thinker, right? You're open-minded, you're you're focused on truth, you're 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 willing to change your mind. You see viewpoints like an experiment that you're messing around with and you're totally down. If someone says this experiment's wrong, you say, "Well, show me why. Let's see if you're right. Maybe I'll change it." And then as you move down on this axis to the bottom, you start to be identify with your views and you start to identify with the people who also have the views and these become the good people and these become the good ideas for good people and the other ideas become the evil ideas for bad people and you could of course you can't change your mind then because changing your mind means well you're not going to be one of the good people anymore right and so oh and, and you don't want to it, it screws your whole worldview up if you change your mind right and so you spend yes. all this energy instead of looking for truth trying to confirm your existing views so that's the first step i took is just like understanding like that we all go up and down on this axis and politics draws many of us downwards on it. It's just in one of those topics. Right. Is the goal of the book for us all to accomplish a more vertical position just to establish that in order to have more harmony in the world? Or am I just am, am I speaking my own personal desire? Yeah. So the, the goal of the book is just to get this, this vertical axis in people's heads. So that once we, if you label something, then you see it more, you notice it more. 
and you can talk about it intelligently, right? And so if we if we can, instead of just shoving all of our discussion about politics into this one vertical axis, um, if we can just expand that and actually have this new language uh, or this just, just this new idea in our heads, then I think we can start to see it for where it is. And we start to realize that like, A, your goal, I think a good goal should not be should actually be to try to move upwards on this axis yourself, but also to surround yourself with people who are high up on the axis or who try to be. Um, and that the real, like, the thing that I think we should be fighting against is, I think of it as, a, I call it like a ladder. So yeah. the low rungs versus the high rungs, right? And it's, again, it's not that you, some people are high rung and some people are low. It's that we all can be anywhere on this, different depending on your day or your mood. But the goal is that, that we should be fighting against low rungness in general, like the concept of the, the, the this these tendencies to identify with ideas and tribalism. And so this mindset, like left, right, good, uh, left is good, right is bad, right? Which oh is the mindset gosh. I was in my whole, I was in Me that too. mindset my whole life. I was in that exact, I could not agree with you more. I got to say, I, I go farther out into it. I probably get into well into 2020 until I, I got to that kind of higher rung. And it's interesting because so many of my friends are still like left is good, right? Because I grew up in Los Angeles. I mean, make that more left. <laughs> it's not easy to do. Right. And then as the world began to shift, my wife is more to the right, then all her friends are more to the right. And I found myself being exposed to a completely different point of view. And then they would challenge my position and I was forced to go up the ladder because I was getting pressure from both sides. So in order to argue that your, 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 your ladder, as you just described, I, I would get the logic of the left and then the logic of the right. And I had to kind of disseminate for myself where I thought the truth was or what I was okay living with or compromising on. But I, I find this fascinating that you had this shift in 2016 because was it Trump that did it to you? Like, what was it? This was a little bit pre-Trump. It was, um, I think partially as being a writer helped because I, I noticed that I was really, there were certain topics that were getting pretty hot politically and, you know, culturally. And I realized I was so, I was so like scared to write about them, certain topics. Yes. I was like, why? And I started to realize like, I, the, the thing that actually I'm scared of right now is is the left getting mad at me. Yes. And then I started to, that that made me realize, I'm like, well, but isn't the left supposed to be, you know, the open-minded, you know, it's it's okay to be wrong, you know, the, the safe place to be yourself. Is, isn't that the left? And I started to realize, I don't think it is anymore. I don't think, not anymore. at least I think there's a contingent. I, don't, I think there's a contingent of the left that's very much not like that, that embodies a bunch of the qualities that I don't like in the right. And so once I, when it's like, once there's a crack in that conviction, that you have this this frame this framing of left right you know left good right bad i think then once that crack starts you 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 realize how much that's been blinding you to just it's and it's again it's not that i swung to the right it's that i just realized that my i was in a prison my my mind was in an intellectual prison where i had to whatever the left was doing that had to be good cuz i because if left good right bad then if the You're left starts guy. acting different Yes. That if the left starts acting different, that I have to reason to, in my head. I have to get to well, why that's okay and why that's good. And I was kind of like a decide. I was kind of like working for the you know the, the, this tribe or working. You know, my mind was kind of like beholden to these this set of ideas as opposed to being able to just be free and and say I, I'm a better thinker than that. Why am I not independent in this one area of my thinking or anywhere else? If you tell me that AI is dangerous and then I read another article about how AI is actually the danger is overrated. I'm open minded to both. What if I suddenly was my identity is that AI is dangerous. And so suddenly I can't even read that article or I have to look for reasons why it's bad. I would become a really stupid thinker on topic of AI. I wouldn't learn anything new. And I would have saying, so why is my mind being that way when it comes to politics? And I, and I, once that realization happened, I, I was better at stopping to do that. Okay. When I struggle to open the mind of my friends on the right, right. Or push them up the ladder. I, I love that ladder analogy of yours or the same on the left, right? Cause I can get into the exact same conversation. And what I find so fascinating is that in particular on the left, I'm talking to people with the highest degrees of education. I would even argue my parents, right? My mom is a PhD psychoanalyst. My father was, is retired at this point, but you know, graduated summa cum laude from law school. And yet 
when I'll present a different argument to them, right? Like they all hate DeSantis. DeSantis is the devil. I'm like, okay, why do you hate him? Well, and then we get into don't say gay, right? And I'm like, have you read the bill? No. I'm like, it's not even called don't say gay. I just, we know, you know that, right? It's called the parental rights and education. And they've vilified this guy for something that actually isn't true. Now, whether you like him or not for things that are true, right? I, I will give that to you. And by the way, I find just as much rigidity on the on the other side sometimes. It's it's like when I try to show my wife, I'm like, honey, you know, <laughs> climate change is real. She's like, well, I know that. I'm like, well, your party needs to kind of adopt a, a more progressive philosophy here. I think that's what's holding you back. Well, if I have to choose one side or the other, this is the side I identify where we're just done with the conversation. And this is not a dumb woman at all. Also heavily educated. So how, since people are, I'm talking to you about people I respect, people like very highly credentialed, far more educated than I am and unhinging them from this position. Mm -hmm is like, holy shit, a sledgehammer, a chisel, a, an M80. How are you going to entice them to 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 want to change? You know what I mean? I can't Yo, I, yeah. do it. Well, so, okay, the first thing I'll say about that is that, like, there's, there's actually a substantial research that higher IQ correlates with um, more zealous political tribalism. And, and 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 here's one of the reasons why. So part of the way we become 100% sure about something, um, and there's nothing that can shake our belief in that thing, right? Which, you know, we're all guilty of this at times, again, some people worse than others, um, is that there is a couple characters in our mind. There's one that is open-minded and just wants truth, right? And they're just they're motivated by truth. And there's a whole other part of your mind that is, you know, that is very much devoted to um, maintaining your existing beliefs, maintaining the status quo in your head. And the, the the key character in that part of your brain is kind of an attorney, a lawyer in our heads, whose job is to make a case, to, to, to accept the evidence that confirms what you believe and reject the ones that you don't and come up with all this reasoning and, and basically build a case and continue to maintain the case. Now think about a lawyer in a courtroom yeah. The reason a courtroom is the reason a courtroom is effective, right, is that it's the clash of two opposing attorneys lets the jury maybe see the truth. Now, what if you had a courtroom where only one attorney was there? Well, that's a that's a corrupt courtroom, right? There is only right. one attorney. And so and so if you're motivated to believe something, then there's only one attorney working hard in your head. And here's the thing. Really smart people have a really smart attorney in their head. And that's that's the that's the problem. They're really good at making a case. They can convince themselves because they're so smart. Yeah. So they can talk them. Yeah. So they 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 convince themselves because they really and they have all this reasoning. They can argue with you for hours because their attorney in their head is damn smart and has built up and, and is really good at building cases. They, you know, and so they turn that on, they turn their own intelligence on themselves in a way where it's like they're the attorney, they're, they're, their mind is now working for this other set of beliefs instead of working for themselves to be, the make truth. themselves closer to the right. truth. Yes. And exactly. to make themselves a better person and to, and to arguably make the world, a, not arguably to ultimately make the world a better place where we can progress on pretty serious issues in my opinion, like if like we're getting political, if we're talking politics, I mean, gun control for sake, how is this not a bipartisan issue? Some of it, I'm like, really? Like you guys can't come together on stuff like monster storms and the climate, gun control, like some of this stuff, homeless crisis, opioid crisis. I can't even understand how it's become. Well, partially because partisan. if you actually got, people into a room and you just um, you just actually got into the nitty gritty. I feel like most so many people would actually agree with each other. But there's an entire industry, multiple industries that are interested in keeping this. There's, a, there's this position and there's the opposing position. And most people, it's like you said, the people who haven't read the Don't Say Gay Bill, people who 
haven't who don't understand the even what we're arguing about with gun control they don't even know the current laws right and they have such a but again i I don't know the current laws i haven't dug into this but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm not gonna pretend i i'm gonna say i don't know when you ask me about gun control i'm gonna say this is not something i I, i'm i'm qualified to have a strong opinion on and the problem isn't people not knowing it's people not knowing but thinking they do because right because they've been they've been you know they have this proxy position um and and again, to, to, to you know, to look back at some of the research that's been done, there's a great study that shows an MRI of people's brains when they are getting their having their views challenged on a wide array of topics, and when they have their views challenged on non-political topics, it actually activates a certain certain parts of the brain, and they are more likely to and they're actually likely to change their mind. Then when it gets to the certain topics, religious, political, not only are they much less likely to change their mind, but it actually is activating different part of their brains, the part of their brains that is much more um, associated with identity and looking inward versus actually reflecting on what's going on around them. So it's it's amazing. It actually like it, politics is one of those topics that turns us into stupid people. Like it, it like it activates a whole different part of our brain that probably goes back to ancient psychology when it was very helpful for survival for us to right. become a tribe to be in lockstep about certain issues and right. to just to not be independent thinking, but to believe what everyone else around you believed. And so we become really stupid in that area. That actually makes perfect sense. I mean, if you think about it, it, it takes a village. You need a community. Some people have to hunt. Some people have to gather. Some people help with the children. Like if you're outcast, you will die. You will not survive. Yes. So that yes. primal part of the brain that you're describing actually makes perfect sense to me. But at some point, we have to evolve out of that, and that's what the book is about. Then, which is, by the way, a lot of our issues. You know, if we're if we're you know you know addicted to eating high calorie food, I mean, this stems back to our ancient programming. There's nothing, you know, we're we are we're kind of basically we're a bunch of you know primates from a long time ago that have been you know you know supposed to be in small tribes, and we're very much programmed that way. And we've been kind of kidnapped out of our home forest and dropped in a in a modern civilization. Um, and we're doing our best to adjust, but like so many of the problems, well, I would say, you know, again, problems with diet, problems with procrastination, problems with addiction, and yes, problems with um, political tribalism. These things stem from the fact that we are not really living in our natural habitat. <laughs> and so you see all these, you know, because our brain doesn't adapt very fast, uh, doesn't change very quickly, but the civilization came up, came upon us very quickly. Well, you've you've built a perfect bridge for me to take a break and come back so we can talk about procrastination and arguably some of the other issues you mentioned that might be connected to it. So guys, stick with us. We have a quick break for our sponsor and then we're going to talk about procrastination. And can I say how to stop, Tim? Is it possible? You tell me. (laughs) We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, guys, we are back with Tim Urban. All right, Tim, you know this is coming. We got a TED Talk about procrastination that has over 65 million views. I mean, that's uh, that's rarefied air you're breathing right there. Um, so other than you being extraordinarily personable and unbelievably attractive, there's obviously more that gets you 65 million views on a TED Talk, man. Like, is this issue that serious? Are this many people in the world suffering from this issue? Yes. <laughs> that's, wow. that, that's one thing I've learned both from writing about it and, and doing this talk on it um, is that this is a very widespread, probably under under discussed problem in a way, because, uh, you know, we, we because, you know, we we know that again, you know, that it's, it's a serious, you know, obesity or, you know, it just, you know, is a serious problem. We know that addiction is a serious problem. Um, you know, drug addiction. And we know that, um, you know, we know that anger can be a problem, right? All these things. But I don't, I think that we think of procrastination as kind of a funny problem and, and we don't think of it as a serious problem. And so, 
I think it, 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 a lot of people go a lot, many years before they start to realize this has been a big issue. Um, and actually it gets to what I was just talking about is the reason I think procrastination is, is such a major issue is that we're not really, we're, we're not, we're as animals, we are really meant to be in a world where you kind of just had immediate needs. You know, you had to, maybe you had to plan ahead for stuff like, you know, hunting, you know, season or whatever. So you had some stuff like that, but mostly you had to, on a given day, you just had to get yourself fed, do your work, get your thing, you know, get, do, do what you needed to do that day. And you didn't have to think that far ahead. And now we live in this advanced civilization when so many people's entire, their dreams ride on these long-term plans that have, um, that, that, that require a, 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 a lot of a certain kind of muscle, which is to be able to work hard today for something that's not here, that right. a lot of us just don't have that muscle. We weren't really, we didn't really need that muscle in the long, long ago. And so I think um, we're, we struggle with it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be one of those people. I want to be more relatable, but I'm not here. I'm not a procrastinator. And you say you are, and I have the hardest time wrapping my head around that when I look at a guy who's so successful, because when you think of procrastination and guys, I, forgive me, I'm not, I am not judging you, I'm, but I'm going to play devil's advocate aggressively here. So if you procrastinate, I think the, the stigma to it, by the way, it's just the same stigma they give people who are overweight, even though this has nothing to do with the reason that they are overeating is oh, you're just, you're just lazy. You're just lazy. And I obviously know from my work in helping people with a food addiction or who overeat or who have unconsciously chosen to be a, a bigger size, lazy has nothing to do with it, right? I could sit here and talk to you about, oh, it's a defense structure and it's, it's a, they're utilizing food because at one time or another it meant psychological survival and it could be a coping mechanism. But procrastination, I have to admit, there's a little, I am a little bit judgmental there because I'm, I'm like a go-getter, right? I, 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 I've utilized that kind of like be the one that goes the extra mile, work just a little bit harder to get ahead because I'm not the one with the advanced degree, right? And so when I, you tell me you're a procrastinator, I cannot wrap my head around it. How have you well, been so, so, so successful? What's, the, yeah, what, what's at the heart of someone who is eating more calories than they want to? It's what is at the heart of it is that is that it's it's energy in right and your body wants one of the things it's programmed for is to take in energy whenever it can right and so calories okay. are energy take in and if you have a chance to take in a lot of calories you come you know and back in the twenty thousand BC you come across a bush with a bunch of really dense chewy fruit eat the shit out of it you know just go and <laughs> um, and right right like gorge on it because you might not find food for two weeks. And right. those are, you're going to store that, right? So, so the point with the, the reason we have issues with energy is because we are programmed to want to, sorry, with, with eating is that we want to intake energy and you want to, um, and now we live in a world where it's very easy to come across calories. And so we, if you don't control that impulse, you will be taking in way too much energy. Now, what's the deal with procrastination? Well, what's the other way? So, so if you're trying, if you're in your energy equation, if you're a 20,000 BC person, there's two factors. How much energy are you taking in via eating and how much energy are you expending, right? Via effort. And so we also, just like we have the instinct to gorge on calories, we also have the instinct to lie down and relax and take our, and, and not do anything too hard. Now, if you apply that to today, um, you have procrastinators who are, applying that that lesson which is you know again back then you might not have had a choice just like you might not have found food for two more weeks you also might not have you probably had no choice but to work hard every day and expend those calories because you had animals chasing after you and you had to go find food or you'd starve and whatever else you know whatever other things today it's actually you know we, we it's it's a lot easier to sit around and do nothing and nothing that bad happens just like it's easy to take a ton of calories um, and so we, this impulse is to conserve energy. So if, if eating problems are about in, energy intake, procrastination problems are about energy spending. And, and again, it's the same. If you look at those together, it's two sides of the same coin. So okay. that's the, that's the, one of the first things I would say is like, it's, it's, to me, it's very much a, very similar to eating overeating. And it's, and you can be addicted just like you, you get your body, your brain gets in the habit of getting those calories or those certain flavors. Um, your brain can be very much in the habit of conserving energy at these times. So 
th that's just one like, an overarching concept. Um, I, I, but I also think just like I, you, you probably would imagine that people who have a struggle with their diet have it for 10 different psychological reasons. Yes. I think 100%. procrastination goes the same exact way. I think it's a self, it's a different form of self-defeating and it stems from 10 different psychological things from 10 different people. Um, and, um, and so the, the way I break it down is I like to, I, one of the things I think can help is to rather than think of it as I am a person who procrastinates, think, well, there's actually multiple things going on in my head at the same time. It's not so simple as like, I, sh I should work, but I don't want to. And that's my decision. It's actually that there's one character in my brain that is screaming out, it's 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. This is obviously, <laughs> obviously a time we should be getting some work done. And there's another character in my brain who thinks the first character is crazy. He thinks, why would we work when we don't have to? We're not starving this moment if we don't work. We're not going to get eaten by an animal at this moment if we don't work. So why would we ever work? Let's relax and conserve energy. Let's do something fun or easy. And that's so the instant gratification that's, monkey. That's the instant gratification monkey. The first character is the rational decision maker. Right. And the second character is the instant gratification monkey. And they're wired and they're wired totally differently and they're totally different parts of the brain. But so where I end up, so we're, so the difference between me and you is not that you don't have an instant gratification monkey because you do. It's that sometime in your life, I don't know whether it happened as a child or just who you are when you were born. There's a there's some way your brain works where when that struggle happens, you, the the rational decision maker wins, and so you probably feel the instinct. Oh, I don't want to get to work, but you just do, and then you and then you just do, and you're in the habit of winning that battle. Procrastinators yes. are in the habit of losing that battle. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so so we're, so so the and so where do I spend a ton of time? Procrastinators spend a ton of time in a place I call the dark playground. The dark playground is a specific place. It's where you are when you're when you're procrastinating when you're supposed to be working. So you so the rational decision it's not enjoyable off leisure time because enjoyable leisure time is when your whole brain is in on it. Your whole brain is like, yep, this makes sense. So you can have a good time. When you're in the dark playground, it means. The, the monkey, the instant gratification monkey is forcing you to do something that's fun and easy, but the rational decision maker is screaming, why are we doing this? This is such a bad decision. We're self-defeating. And and you hate yourself in that moment. You feel this dread God, and anxiety. This so is like fun. eating. You're not actually having fun. It's yeah, like when you exactly. eat it, it's but then you hate yourself for eating it. And you're like, I'm going to regret this later, but I want it right now. Yes. And it's like. It's very oh. similar. Okay. So does this work then? Because I, I, you know, I took notes, right? It's like, now we have to switch to the rational decision maker by seeing the big picture. But how? There's two ways that this can get better. Um, the, there's, the, there's the kind of, um, it's like a picture of a boat that's not working so well and it's leaking. You can fix the boat in two ways. You can actually get out the hammer and the nails and actually fix the boat in a very real long-term way. And the boat's better. Or you can do a short-term fix like duct taping the boat and it's not going to last that long, but it will get you across the river right now, but the boat's still broken, right? So here's the short-term way with procrastination, which is um, there's another character in your brain called the panic monster. And the right. panic monster is, is the, the, the guardian angel of the procrastinator because the procrastinator, the reason many procrastinators, and this is your question to me is, you know, how do I succeed at anything? You know, because yeah, you're so successful. Yeah. I can't wrap yeah. my head around it. I don't believe you. It's and so by the way, a lot of, a, a lot of successful people have a huge procrastination problem. Really? But, yeah. Yes. Um, especially creatives. Creatives have a big inner child. Inner child is what makes their creativity, you know, it's the engine of it, but it also can wreak havoc. Right. Um, okay. And, okay. and there's also, you know, cr creatives often have also, you know, they can, it's, it can be perfectionists and that's a disaster with creativity because there's no perfect thing. So then you have this dread because your work seems so daunting all the time. So you never want to even do anything because it's just like, oh, how am I going to do the perfect, you know, piece of art or whatever it is. Right. But, but anyway, so the panic monster is the short-term solution. And, and so, for example, I always got by in school. I didn't, I didn't always do my best. I didn't always learn as much as I could, but I never failed. And I got by. And sometimes I even, if I had to, to get, if it was important to get a good grade, I usually did. And that's because right when the deadline would get too close or start to get too close, the panic monster, which is a third character, would rush into the brain 
And that's the one thing the monkey's scared of. So then the monkey would disappear and I could suddenly have all this work ethic. I would pull the all-nighter. I couldn't work for five minutes all week, but suddenly I can work eight hours through the night to finish this paper. What the hell? Where is that work ethic? This incredible magical work ethic. And the different the answer is the panic monster is here now. So suddenly I can do it. Before there was no panic monster. And so procrastinators, if they that's fine, that can work fine if you happen to have a job where you know, there's deadlines on all your important stuff because the okay. panic monster can save the day again and again. It keeps you in the line. So oh of, my God. Yes. I was going to say, well, then just but defer if, to it. But without those deadlines, he never comes into yes. play. Exactly. And so many of the most important things in life, you know, not just inside work, right? Not just in work, but also seeing our family enough, work exercising, taking care of our health, you know, working on a relationship, things like that. Those things that are so important, they don't have deadlines. And without deadlines, there's no panic monster. And without, and if you rely on the short-term duct tape solution, then you're you're gonna have a huge problem. So oh you can make you can you can you can one way is you can you can recruit a panic monster. So just say you say my goal is I've been wanting for years to write eight songs and put out an album, but I'm just scared and it sounds hard, and I'll just I'll do it next month. Here's one way: recruit a panic monster by booking a space non-refundable deposit email 100 people and say come to my show on in two months i'm going to play my eight songs well now there's a panic monster you just recruited to help you so that's, that's you, but that's duct taping the boat genius well that's okay <laughs> so like with fitness it's like sign up for the you know like a half marathon or a sprint try and make friends do it with you so now you've got to yes. show up i got it exactly I got it you Accountability. just, just imposed you created a deadline that is now going to yes. grab you by the collar and make sure you do it Got but it. you're still not fixing the boat. And again, so for some people can get by their whole lives without fixing the boat. But I think the procrastinators should try to, again, you know, to try to actually see what they can do to actually fix the boat where they don't need a deadline to do what they know they should do. They don't need panic. And so- <laughs> It does seem and, like panic is something you would want to find a way around ultimately. Like a short it's term. It's really unpleasant. Tool. I mean, right. It's I unpleasant. And you don't do your best. And you also don't do your best work. People love to say, oh, procrastination is good because you percolate. It's like, no, when it gets to a really bad phase, it's not good. It makes your worst work. <laughs> Sorry, it makes your work worse. You don't do your best work. You hate yourself the whole time. By the way, you also drive away. Your 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 friends are mad at you. You end up in, you know, fighting with your spouse. It's not good for anything to have a procrastination problem. So even if you're getting your work done by the deadline because you have deadlines, it's still not good. And again, most of us, actually the really important things, we don't have the deadlines. So to, right. to fix the boat, that that gets to like a lot of underlying psychology. Some people go to therapy to figure out what's going on. Some people, right. you know, you, you, you want to... So, for me, one I think the the big thing is that you need to change your storyline. You need to change your identity. You need to like change the story you believe about yourself, because a huge part of this is self fulfilling prophecy. Procrastinators believe deep down that they are going to fail at that struggle between the two characters the next day, and then the next day they wake up and they fail. And so you have to convince yourself. You have to show yourself that you're, you're changing, and that's that's David has to beat Goliath because. The point is that your belief in the instant gratification monkey deep down that it's going to win is what powers the monkey. And it's and it's it's your confidence in yourself. It, your lack of confidence in yourself is what is what repeats the pattern. So somehow you have to overcome that again, maybe using some kind of short term, you know, fixes like booking a space or whatever. But sure. you need to figure out how to uh actually change just for a few days and then you can notice that and then maybe you can get to a week and before you know it, you might start to say i think maybe i'm not like that anymore and then you can actually not so if you notice the times you change in your life there was probably a moment before when you truly didn't believe it would ever happen and then you 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 were wrong turns out you actually could change in that area but you had to learn that lesson at some point so it's a chicken and egg thing you have to somehow change enough to show yourself that it's possible and then that belief that it's possible will make it easier to keep changing. And before you know it, your whole identity can shift. You can have a new story about yourself in your head. And then you really can actually, you're really improved. This this is also a, an identical parallel to working with people who struggle with obesity because they'll tell you like, I can't stop, right? Like I can't stop eating. Or I was always the fat, funny guy. Or I was the last picked, you know, on the PETM. I'm a shit athlete. I have no athleticism. And they, they write this script just like you're talking about. And they, 
believe it to be true and these beliefs become a prison. And so you know, one of the things that I used to try to do was give them these little successes in the gym that they didn't think were possible. So you could begin to say, hey, look, exact, exactly what you just said. Look, you're, you're not that guy or you don't have these limitations you think you do. And to crack open that kind of infinity of possibility, right? Like what are you actually capable of? Uh, when you talk about big picture, do you think that's also a component? Is like uh, stopping and saying, how am I going to feel like with alcoholism, right? Think through the drink before you have it. How are you going to feel after you have it? Oh man, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to wake up at someone's house. I don't want to wake up at whatever. You can see, try to get them to think it through to stop them from engaging in having the second bag of chips or taking that drink. Is there an element of that that could be useful here? Like if I put this off for another hour, how am I going to feel when the panic monster shows up? Or do you just get comfortable with the panic month? Like, are you just like, oh, here he is. No, I, I, think, I think like what you're talking about is, I, I think that one of the things that when we were self-defeating, we almost have this, this cloud of, our, our clarity is really clouded in that area. And we're kind of in this like weird delusional haze where we're just repeating the same thing. And again, we become very dumb. The humans are, I don't, I think humans are interesting because we have the capacity to be so smart and also right. the capacity to be like, shockingly dumb all of us <laughs> and, and 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 i think it's important to like so i think that sometimes when we're self-defeating it's the really dumb part of our brain is just is just hijacked us and, and, and we're in the habit of letting that dumb part of the brain take over that's not very clear-headed that doesn't think in the future again this is this is this monkey the monkey lives entirely in the present moment he can literally can't see the future or, or learn any lessons from the past the monkey just wants to maximize the the current moment and so when that character is taking over your head, that's that becomes your consciousness. You, you your that rational voice actually is that that can see clearly is really kind of fades away. You actually can't hear it. It's it's gone. And you later you look back and say, how could I? You know, people who are late all the time, right? This is another issue that I have, and I've written about this. It's like no! it, people people are there. You're so mad at yourself. It's not like it's not like you're like you know. There's two kinds of late people. There's the person who thinks I can be late because I just can, because I'm awesome, right? I, that's, I think that's much more rare. I'm talking about the much larger group who, again, forget for other people, I will be running through the airport to catch my flight again and again. And it's not like I'm like, I'm so smart. This is how I do it. I'm like, never again am I doing this. I'm gonna get here earlier next time. Just like just like in college, I said, next time I'm gonna pace myself on this paper and then I'm pulling an all-nighter again. What's going on? And it's because this very dumb part of your brain just kind of hijacks you and is completely running you. And you, and then, and then, and then again, panic, you run through the airport, you just barely make the plane because the panic monster jumps in. And I'm like, why did I need the panic monster to start packing for this flight and get in the thing? Why could I have not just bit, you know, it makes no sense. And, um, and so I, I think that what you're talking about here, which is, you know, thinking about how you're going to feel is actually really important because it's, you're talking about bringing that rational decision maker into the room and say, hey, come in here. Right. Let's right, actually, right, right, right. And, and let's hear what the rational decision maker has to say. Let's just hear what they have to say. The rational <laughs> decision maker can say, if you eat this, this is gonna happen. If you if you, if you you leave right now for the airport, actually project, it's here's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be pleasant. You're gonna get there. You're gonna get to go to the <laughs> shop and get a peanuts. You're gonna look at that. It's great. And if I start packing 30 minutes from now instead of now, then what happens? And just having that thought is really powerful and something that most of the procrastinators or the late people or the overeaters, they're not even taking that moment. So one one thing I used to do, and it, 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 it can be very helpful, is I'll wake up in the morning and I'll write an email to myself. And I write an email to myself. Basically, I, I basically it's 8 a.m. Tim or 9 a.m. Tim writes an email to 9 p.m. Tim and says... Okay. Here is, or you can frame it the other way. You can do one of two things. You can frame it as, here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm promising to you. And here's what I'm going to be doing by the time I become you in 12 hours. Or frame it the other way. Be 9 p.m. Tim. Imagine being him and actually write an email to your current self and say, here's what I hope you, here's what I, I wish you'd do. And here's, this is what will make me feel so good if this th these things happen. And this is what will make me feel so angry at myself and regretful as 9 p.m. Tim, if I don't do. And so again, I know you sound like a crazy person when you talk like this, but same with the two characters in your brain. It but makes the truth perfect is, sense to me, actually. Yeah, I love people... it. I, it's awesome. 
So I mean, yeah, building that rational awareness, bringing it into the room, finding ways to do that. But again, I said used to. I used to do the email to myself and it worked because when you have a problem, it's hard to stick with the things that work. So we drift back into our old ways. You have to continue to innovate, continue to find ways to um, to try to get an edge. And and again, again, eventually find ways to change your long-term, your long-term situation. All right, Tim. Question of the week for you from one of the listeners, because I know you know all about AI and the next, next book is going to be all about that stuff. Since it's such a hot topic right now, can AI ever overcome EQ? I, I believe um, um, EQ, emotional intelligence, I guess. Can it be better than people? My guess is the answer is yes, but I think you're the pro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, I'm not... Here's the thing. Not only am I not the pro, I'm not sure there is a pro on this topic. And, I, and what I mean by uh -huh. that is, um, first of all, it changes so quickly. I can get up to date. You know, if I'm doing a talk, I'll get fully up to date. And then a month later, I feel like I'm behind again because it's moving so quickly. But also, even the people who make this stuff don't understand how it works. So I don't think there is a pro. But anyway, to answer the question the best I can is, yes, I'm, I, I think your instinct was right that I'm going to say, I, I, I think that... Um, so far, every time uh, humans have said, well, but AI can do this and this, but it'll never be able to do this thing that, a that only humans can do. It's been embarrassingly wrong. Now, some right. things take surprising, take, take longer than expected. Other things are quicker than expected. So I don't know if it's one of the things that's secretly really hard and takes a long time or if it happens surprisingly quick. But um, I, I don't think there's anything about our human brain that is so magical that an, is that a sufficiently advanced computer couldn't couldn't be able to pull it off. Now, whether they have a conscious experience that I don't know. I just don't understand. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that yet. Um, I don't but, even think it's relevant, uh, though. But, but, but mean... it will, yeah, will AI appear to have a high EQ and be saying everything that a high, a super high EQ person would say in in every situation? Yes, that I believe. Tim, the book comes out. Tomorrow, it's called What's Our Problem? And I just, I want you to repeat what you said to me in the break. You said something that we didn't get into the show and I want to get it in there where you were like, you know, another reason I wrote the book is to allow people to be okay with their feelings, not feel so alone. And you said, um, sort of, I guess, educate us on how best to communicate this message of arguably common sense openness can you rephrase that in the way yeah you said yeah, it you I mean, said it great <laughs> i think that 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 the that people who are really caught up in political tribalism again and we're all guilty i, I i'm not looking down on these people i've been in these people before um it's uh, they they know what they think. That's one thing I can give them. They they are very firm. They all agree with each other, right? That it, 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 within I'm saying like a certain tribe. So it's the you know the the people that are hardcore left or hardcore right or whatever. Um, they they have their arguments down. They are unified and they know what they think, right? And they can they they have the, they have a pre written argument for every one of the core issues that comes up. Now there's a I think a much and by the way surveys support this a much larger group of people. That are not like that. You know, yes. they might be a little tribal. They might they might be favor one side or the other. Or they might you know they might be a little. But but actually, and if you just dig under a little bit, there's a totally open minded, humble, reasonable person in there. Person in there who, um, who actually you know wants to self improve and and doesn't like political, doesn't like culture war stuff, and actually wishes that that people you know that we could just stop this game where everyone hates each other and Ugh. and wants uh, right and but that group to me doesn't have raising a my name. hand it doesn't raising it, my hand calling them centrist is the wrong word because that's what we're is calling just, ourselves moderate right centrist. We, we, yeah yeah we, we we need we need a better and so i think that that, that group needs a, a a term and it needs an identity and i think that that group um needs the the a common language to be able to like to to um actually articulate what it is that all the, we're all actually thinking and feeling and also to be able to, and so that that's the purpose of this book is to kind of like, yeah. here's one way to think of it. Here's a, one other, a new way to think about it. And and also I want those people, because I think a lot of times those people are very scared to speak out. They think because oh. the loudest people are the tribal people. So it sounds yeah. like everyone, dis everyone must think I'm, you know, I, this is such a shameful thing I secretly think. And actually most people are, a lot of people are thinking it. So I want to make those people 
help them see that maybe that doesn't that they don't have to be ashamed of of the what what they think and maybe it's actually a lot of people do think that way and it's okay and you should be proud of it and you should go out there and and be vocal about it. I love it. You're fantastic, Tim. The website is called Wait But Why. Um, where can we get more? I mean, everyone obviously go get the book. It's called What's Our Problem out everywhere tomorrow. Um, Instagram at Wait But Why. Twitter yeah, yeah, at Wait yeah. But why. It, to, to, Give me the yeah, rundown Twitter, here. I, Twitter and Instagram, it's all, on all the social accounts, I'm just wait, but why I do most of my talking on Twitter. The best way to like stay in, the best way, because I, I publish things very sporadically. So I'll like, you know, because I'm a procrastinator. So <laughs> the best way to know, to, to, to know if I do something new is just to subscribe to the email list, which you can do on the on the website. <laughs> um, the email list <laughs> is the best way, because otherwise, yeah, otherwise you can check and have no idea when I'm about to po post something new. So. Perfect. You are fantastic. Congratulations on all of your success. Whenever you've made it happen, you have absolutely made it happen. Thank you so much for coming on. I think you're just wonderful. Thank you so much, Jillian. It was really fun talking to you. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the show, do us a big favor and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it just helps us get the show out there get heard by more people. We really appreciate it.